On this episode of the State of the Bulldogs with Sam, Mike, Jeb, and Grant, we recap the Wofford win, uh, back-to-back wins. We're feeling good heading into the Furman game, uh, and we're going to give a little preview of what should be a make-or-break game coming up this weekend uh, in Homewood. Please subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and leave a good review. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at State of the Dogs. And with that, let's kick this thing off. I would imagine He's got room. Inside the five. Contention wins it. So God damn. All right, Grant. It is just you and I tonight. Uh, Mike and Jeb will not be with us. Big weekend. Um, big weekend for Sanford. It's, look, I know we are giving Coach Hatcher a hard time for his new season mentality, restart the season, blah, blah, blah. But I do love the one and zero mentality. Every week you got to go one and zero from here on out, and we did. We took care of business. We beat Wofford for what the ninth straight year, which Nine, yep. in our family, uh, my brother being, are they proud alums at Wofford or just grateful for a degree? Uh, hard to say, but they're they're proud basketball fans. I know that for sure. Proud basketball fans. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yep, yeah. I'm yep. not really sure why anymore. Kind of a dated program, but. He did attend that university, and he did graduate, I think. Um, so it's always fun to give him a little crap. And, I mean, for nine straight years, I haven't we haven't even been out of Sanford for nine straight years. So as long as I've been a Sanford fan, we've never lost to Wofford. So let's keep that streak going, baby. Knock, knock on wood. Um, but, Grant, what we're – I mean, we're going to go offense, defense here. But first, man, how did, how did you feel uh, after the game? Sam, the Oklahoma Sooners have proved that they're the top of the wait. <laughs> wait, is this the Sanford this this is the Sanford podcast, right? Oh, sorry. That's sorry, my this mind. It's not the Sooner scoop. Sorry, my minds get all mixed up, you know, I kind of forget. <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh I had to throw that in there. Shout out. Uh but you know, the Jay Stanton show, you know, the last two weeks he's really come on in the run game. He had yeah. 100, 106 yards against ETSU and the T D and he's he's come on uh, the last few weeks. So that's been great to see. I don't know if Surprising is the right word. We know he's he's been a good player for a number of years, but it's just good to see Sam forget a consistent ground game going the last few weeks. For sure. And it's odd because just I guess three weeks ago, uh or four weeks ago, looking at the UTC game, we were I mean, I personally said, I don't care about the run game. I just want to see the passing game. Mm-hmm. And I take that back. Uh I take that yeah, all the way back. That. Because Michael Hires, funny enough, is leading the nation in passing yards. Um, so clearly we're getting the ball out just fine. But the difference in these wins is the ability to control the game via the running uh, the running game. And Stan's really stepped up. Yeah, the last, watching the game back today, you didn't see the usual, but run game's not going, so let's throw a few bubble screens to kind of get the run yeah. game going, kind of move the ball down the field. I think all I remember – maybe one or two of those bubble screens in the first half just because Jay was running the ball so well. And uh, to correct that, he ran for 104 and two TDs last week. And then against ETSU, he ran for 177 and two other touchdowns. So it's just I've been great to see consistent ground game. And uh, Jay Stanton's been a good player for a number of years. And so it's good to get that ground game going. Also, shout out to his dad who follows uh, Sanford Scoop on Twitter, who's, who's always 
following and liking my stuff when I mentioned his son. So I just wanted to shout that out. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure the Stan family is real nice. Um, it's Yeah, it's great to see back-to-back 100-yard um, games. What's crazy is – so just last – during the preview, you heard us talk about the running game as a whole, right? How Jay Stan had taken over as the lead back, how uh, Mikhail Hamilton had really looked like the second second in command. But sure enough, we come out and Devonta Witherspoon shares the same amount of attempts as Jay and almost gets 100 yards, 96 yards. So, yeah. you know, I, I I like that it's a little unpredictable. Maybe Devonta was just banged up and uh, just couldn't couldn't get the ball like he wanted or we couldn't get the ball to him like we had wanted. But sure enough, Wofford comes out, 19 rushes for Jay, 19 rushes for DeMonta, uh, zero for Hamilton. So who's to say what next week we'll bring against Furman? Uh, right. Certainly Jay leading the leading the pack, but DeMonta and Hamilton, it's a, it seems like a coin flip at this point. But if they feel like DeMonta's going to bring a more physical presence, I mean, he averaged five yards a rush, right? Yeah. That's awesome on 19 carries and Stan was even better five and a half yards a rush on 19 carries. So last year, you know, it took a two headed, a two headed running back uh, room to beat Furman. I think Jalen Thomas, he led the team last year in rushing and we'll get to the Furman game in a minute, but I think it's important to highlight that heading into the game coming out of Wofford that we tend to have success against the more top end teams of the conference when, we have two backs back there who can take the ball uh, and run. Yeah, and last week or last year in that Furman game, Thomas only had five carries, but still ended up with one hundred four and three touchdowns. I mean, you still—that's kind of cool just to go back and see with that few attempts, twenty-one yards a carry, which is pretty sick. Yeah, I mean, explosive, right? Yeah. So, running backs stood out for sure against Walford, um, but so did the receivers. I thought that, you know, we only, only, I mean, I say only, we scored 31 points. Only, yeah. I say only because it was a little slow in the second half. We put up, what what was it in the first half? Uh, Yeah, we put up 24 of our 31 in the first half. We only scored once, uh, and it was in the third quarter, and then no points in the fourth. A A lot of that, I think, had to do with our strategy. But it also was a little bit of a lack of execution on the offensive part. Drives certainly were dying a little bit quicker than they probably should have. But with all of that said, I thought the wide receivers as a whole played really well. Um, Brendan Jenkins, a Ty King stood out of a couple clutch catches. Chandler Smith always stands out. I mean, the dude does not drop balls. No, um, no, not at all. He's a beast. And then even, you know, R.J. Starkey, Michael's guy, or Jeb's guy. I can't remember in the preseason which which uh, one. Oh, no, no. It was Jeb's guy. Jeb was R.J. and Michael was uh, E.J. Mason. Or E.J. Mason. Yeah. Um, who, who had a catch, too. But got, listen to this. We had 12 players. No. One was DeMonta and one was Quincy on that awesome uh, little trick play. So 10 receivers, including Michael Weiss. So nine wide receivers caught a pass. That's a strength. There are not a lot of FCS schools out there. There's not a lot of FBS schools out there that can have nine guys contribute for just a single, just one, one catch, right? So I think that depth will really bode well um, heading into Furman. And it's just one other 
I don't know. One other thing that kind of shows that maybe this team is starting to look a little bit more like we want them to offensively. You could definitely feel they're more, maybe it's just the opponent, but probably more relaxed and trying to find ways to move the ball down the field. We saw that the last few weeks, minus those turnovers, if they, yep. with that vertical passing game, they're perfect moving the ball down the field. But when they try to get side to side, that's when you lose yards. And then you're backed up trying to find a way to, for Micah to get out of trouble with with the old line struggling a little bit. So it's good to get that vertical passing game going. And that's where you need that fast tempo. You get those fast five to six yards completions, move the ball down the field and you feel more confident with every throw. Yeah. I will say that was the one thing this game, I wanted to see another like actual deep ball. Right. But the intermediate passing game was amazing. um, This, this past Saturday, but we, we were missing that kind of like 50 yard bomb, which frankly is probably going to be what what gives us a chance to win against Furman. Um, yeah. Especially if we are trying to be more balanced uh, offensively. Let's see. We rushed it 44 times and we passed it 43. That's about as balanced as you can get right there. Um, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. It's very, yeah. I, yeah. Very impressive. So offensively, I mean, it would have been nice, right, to get the one deep ball, but that's really picking hairs. I did yeah, notice right. that Darian King on the offensive line got another start for the second straight week over Zach Brown. I don't, you know, Zach Brown did make it into the game. I don't know really. We we could probably we could probably press to find out what's going on there. Um, I'm not sure. Look, there's certainly a part of this where it's Wofford and ETSU. The opponents are playing a factor in our success on the ground. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. However, I mean, we talked about it in the preseason. We talked about it the first few games. When Darian King is in there, he brings a little extra juice. Um, and we all watch football. We all know that when the offensive line gets a little bit of extra juice, they get a little bit of extra push, a little bit more dog in them, the run game opens up. They're not so – you, you get know, that confidence, being, yeah. Right, exactly. Now, I'm not saying that, that like Darian King being in the lineup is doing that, but he does bring that to the table. And I don't necessarily think it's a coincidence that he's starting unless there's been some injury. Um, because we did, I mean, we, we, you can see that Zach Brown is a better pass pro uh, than Darian King, but Darian might be a little bit, a little bit more uh, well-rounded when it comes to every attribute you want in offense lineman. I don't know. We, that, all of that is pure conjecture. So, we don't yeah, you really see that with some teams where it takes them like halfway through the season to find that group of five or six linemen that we can go and hey, we're confident with this group and, and run or pass pro. Maybe just find some time to find that right collection of guys that we've seen with some other FBS teams over the years. Well, we definitely have six guys. I mean, Zach Brown is a good lineman. Yeah. Um, we definitely have six guys. I'm looking at the participation list to see we had at least six that I'm seeing. I don't think we got seven offensive linemen in there but I could be just six yeah. guys. So I think we found our six and now we're just kind of slowly, but surely getting there. But like, I mean, we got to keep going back to the fact that it's ETSU and Wofford still yeah. like that is a caveat, but at the same exact time, you do have to take care of business. Um, and that's what we're doing. So yeah, you're, you're just glad to see some positives, right? We talked about the ETSU exactly. with the defense, like with a Riddell moving the ball down the field. We didn't really, see that exactly when we talked you guys talked about that last week on how they weren't just confident so again you want to 
find certain ways while also taking into effect the opponent on the other side. For sure. And one of our favorite uh, Twitter followers, Lynn Easterling, pointed out that Riddell uh, for ETSU had gone off on us the prior year. So we probably should have expected that out of him again this year. And, and if you're if you're taking that perspective, then we kind of improved, right? You know, we didn't yeah. give up 45 points, I think, is what we gave up last year. We didn't give up 500 yards. Um, I mean, he still looks like a scrub, but – you know, that was a, I thought that was a, a fair point that Lynn made. And I think you can kind of turn it into a positive. And then going into the Wofford game, you know, we gave the defensive coordinator crap, right? We gave uh, uh, Chris Boone crap that he had chosen these transfers and made the remark that they're just now learning to practice well together. Mm-hmm. And, we, and we certainly saw the defense come together in the, uh, in the ETSU game. And you wanted to see that really take a step forward against Wofford, and we saw it. I mean, yeah. we allowed – now, granted, 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 granted. This is one of the worst offenses in the conference so far this year. But, once again, you beat who you're supposed to beat, and you beat them how you're supposed to beat them. And we did. They were 13 for 32, Grant, in the air. 114 yards passing. 114. Yeah. 137 on the ground. Like – that's what you want to see. The defense, if anything, showed that maybe we are making the steps uh, in the right direction. Yeah, we did talk about the last few weeks. Uh, talk about last year, the transfers. It seems like they're just so easily to gel, to gel together and find ways to, to turn up the football. And again, you run that same strategy back this this year. Let's go get the same guys, or same, we think the same quality guys in the portal and see if they can mesh together as fast as those guys. But so hopefully, mm-hmm. like Chris Boone I did mention, they're starting to find that way of how they want to practice, how they want to play together. And that's obviously huge coming into one of your biggest games of the year coming up this weekend. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, and we both know that half of defense is just being in the right position. Now, granted, Sanford is, is prone to some tackling issues. We're prone to some tackling issues, which is much more than being in the right position. Uh, that's more technique and effort. But if we are going to take Chris Boone at his word, which I feel like we have to at this point, you know, we did show the, the big step forward against Wofford, shut him down. Then one would think that because we're practicing better, then we're going to be put in a more positions to win than we were necessarily in the beginning. And it, it is unfortunate uh, that it worked out the, with this way that we had Western Carolina at the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. uh, who we have learned is very good offensively. Their defense is still suspect, but offensively an incredible team. So that, you know, maybe looking back from the get-go, we were set up to fail uh, from that perspective. Yeah. But now six games in, I would say the defense is certainly gelling. Showed flashes against Auburn, flashes against UTC. Uh, well, maybe maybe a few uh, light flashes against UTC. Yeah, some, <laughs> some flashes. They're putting bad spots by a couple of turnovers by the offense. But yeah, yes, one hundred percent. Yeah, especially there at the beginning. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think the defense is is feeling. Defense is a lot of feel, especially when you're watching it, especially yeah. against a bad team like uh, Wofford. But it's starting to feel like it's coming together. Um, Noah Martin had a sack. We had several tackle for losses. 
Um, the defensive line was, I don't know if they were just scheming it, but the defensive line was a little quiet. Uh, Mara had a much bigger game against ETSU than he did against Walford. Uh, but Johnny Johnson, I tweeted out, had that awesome tackle for loss yeah. that uh, set up the block fuel goal, which was hype. So special teams spe- – oh, that's one. Special teams was actually a, a plus this week, yeah. Grant. The, our punter our punter actually kicked him more than 25 yards. Shocking. Holy crap. I don't know what this passing aca- – or passing – punting academy is like on Australia, but maybe maybe we find an American punter. I don't know. No, you, no, you got to stick with – I was about to do a bad Australian accent, but I'm, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I caught myself as soon as I started. I caught myself. I was like, "No, no, you you cannot do this. Do not do it." And I stopped myself. How <laughs> uh, you still? I, I thank you. Still get those Aussies, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I just I was curious. I looked up the punting stats. Will Thorley, right? He's a freshman. He's a freshman. Okay, yeah. Averaged thirty-five yards for punting with a, a long of forty. That has to be his best game of the season because that average was a lot closer to thirty. And, uh, you know, you, you say four yards doesn't really matter. Well, that's half a first down. If you're giving a, yeah. the other team half a first down every time you punt, that ain't that adds up quick. So Hey, they only, only had three punts in the last two games, and that's still not a lot to take from. But you have five punts, average of 35, yeah. Yeah, I'll take, I'll take yeah. that. It's a start. I would say that's the minimum, right? Yeah. Uh, otherwise, you might as well just go for it. Yeah. So everywhere, frankly. Um. Also going back, we talked about defensive line, their their performance. I still wish they would generate a little bit more pressure, you know, kind of sure. not leave those our corners and DBs on islands as often. And I saw a little bit they had, I want to say it was Devin Smith as kind of that fourth fourth guy, that stand-up linebacker, defensive end, go rush the passer. They mixed that in a little bit. I still wish they would find certain ways because I don't think Sanford blitzes as much as they should. Just they're more of play safe in between. It's certainly conservative, yeah. Yeah, play safe in between the twenties, and then find a way to bow down and stop them and force and force a field goal. I still wish they would find ways to generate more pressure. That way, you're not leaving those DBs and those safeties on islands and covering for too long while the quarterback just sits back in the pocket and finds ways to get find open guys down the field. So I, I still wish they would still generate a little more pressure with some more blitz packages, kind of see how that takes how that helps the defense moving forward. Yeah, that's always. That's always the the struggle to find a balance because yeah. you want, especially as a fan, you want to see that pressure. But if they don't get the pressure and they do bring the guys, that's when the explosive play on the other side happens. And what, yeah, if you what don't, sucks, Grant, if you don't get home. Yeah, what sucks is we're not bringing pressure and we still give up give up explosive plays. So which is why which is why I think we which is why I think we need to bring a little bit more. I think <laughs> that they might just be me watching the Chiefs a couple hours ago and they just like. Steve Spagnuolo, their DC, just loves to blitz like five, six guys at a time. Maybe mm-hmm. that's seeping into my mind a little <laughs> bit. But still, I think I kind of wish Sanford would mix that in a little bit more and see how that how that affects the defense and getting getting more stops on the field. Well, if it makes you feel better, I think Joseph Mara's top thirty in the country in sacks. I think um, that does. If that is the case, that does make me feel some somewhat better. But let yeah, me, I'm gonna I'm gonna fact check myself. So he has three sacks on the season, and he's got three of the seven. Sanford has seven sacks throughout. 
Let's see. In the year. Chattanooga with 15. Good Lord. Okay. Um, I'm looking at the NCAA statistics. He would be right in there. He's not on this list. I think that's an error. Uh, he would be top. I'm pulling up his, his bio page. 40 in the country uh, in sacks, which is crazy. Like three is a lot. If you really think, I mean, the, the national leader plays for U Albany and he's at nine, which is a ton. I mean, that's insane. But how does Albany have these, have these guys that were Pastor Jared Verse playing big games for Florida State the last two years was originally at Albany. Is it a good school? Like maybe, maybe that's their pitch, right? Like if you're, if you want yeah. to go to school in the Northeast and New York, you know. Let's Something see. about that their DNs and getting able to rush the passer is pretty impressive. Yeah, that is crazy. I think the Wofford recap, I think we summed it up, right? Offensively, we made the, the right steps. Um, maybe maybe we wanted to see the deep ball, but the running game certainly impressing, and we want to see that continue against Furman because uh, we'll, we'll get to it in a minute, but it'll be vital to our success. Uh, the def- Defensively, I'm with you. Let's let's see some more pressure up front. Yeah. Uh, if we're not generating it just with our three down linemen, let's start bringing a little bit more. But for the most part, the guys look uh, pretty locked in. And yeah. when you only give up ten points, you can't really complain. I don't yeah, care. Right. I don't care who you're playing. Uh, Citadel put up more than ten points against Furman this weekend. So, and they are the worst. They are the worst team uh, in the conference. So I, I don't know. Uh, I'll take I'll take the win. Uh, the defense is looking a lot better than it was three weeks ago. But like we had said, competition matters. And yeah, we're not going to complain about a, only giving up one touchdown or one in one game. I think we can give them we can give them some due credit for sure. Yeah. Now, will we be singing the defensive praises next Sunday? Hmm, I don't know. I hope so. I hope so. I hope so. But it's hard to say. So before we get to Furman, uh, let's talk about Lanny. If you're a listener of the pod, you know Sanford Sports gets us gets us excited. But we couldn't cover all of our bases without good coffee. Before we start our game day, we love brewing up a pot of Whammy. Not only does Whammy produce excellent coffee, they also make it fun to drink. With a mystery toy in every bag of beans, you can pair our podcast with a cup of Whammy for a perfect start to the morning. With quick shipping and rotating options, you can find your favorite bag of coffee anytime at whammycoffee.com. That's W-H-A-M-M-Y-Coffee.com. All right, Grant, no trivia this week. It's only you. Um, I was all ready to go. What the heck? This is this is news to me. No, I'm just kidding. You mentioned it before we started. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, no fun trivia this week, unfortunately. Well, I mean, I assume uh, Mike and Jeb will be back next week, and we'll we'll have. A, I mean, if the, you just need more than one person, right? It's awkward if it's just you. What did Furman do in 1935? I was I was dying <laughs> to know. Well, I, no idea, and uh, no one will know. But Furman. Um, so heading into the game, Furman's coming in. They haven't released the polls yet, but going into last week, they're they're number five. I'd be shocked if they dropped. I mean, they had a tight one against Citadel and tight by margin only, not really ever in doubt. But it's twenty eight fourteen against a pretty poor team. Um, but yeah, ranked top five in the country. Only loss is to, is to South Carolina. They've had a fairly easy stretch, Mercer and Citadel in conference thus far. Um, but they travel to Sanford and Western. Sanford this week, Western next week. That's a tough stretch. Gosh, and they go to Chad in a couple weeks too. Yeah, they have a very tough schedule. Um, 
And Grant, you know, when we were looking up Furman's stats so far, because going into the preseason, everyone's Furman this, Furman that. They're bringing back everybody. And last year's team was very good. Their defense was stingy. It was physical. Uh, it frankly overwhelmed a lot of opponents. They took the best offense, well, second, you know, third best offense in the country last year in Incarnate Word. Uh, took them to the last drive of the game. Probably should have won the game, frankly, uh, in the in the quarterfinals of the playoffs. And so you so you head into this year, and you're thinking back to that team. It's a different team. Uh, they might have the same guys, but defensively, it's not nearly as suffocating. Now, offensively, they're still humming along, right? But defensively, it's just a little, it's a little bit different. Still in on a uh, defense, on giving up twenty two points a game, which is still tops in the Southern Conference. So, still tops in the Southern Conference, and it's twenty seventh scoring defense in the country. Now, yep, the Southern SoCon has four four teams in the top fifty in scoring defense: VMI, oh, well. uh, UTC, Furman, and there's one other. Wasn't Western, and it wasn't Sanford, but there's one other school. So you know. That is not anything to, you know, uh, that isn't anything to be afraid of because we'll get into it in a minute. But the numbers seem to lie a little, just a little. Uh, Maybe they're, maybe they really are a bend don't break kind of defense. But as an opponent of a bend don't break kind of defense, I love a bend don't break as opposed to a suffocating defense. That's explosive and tenacious and aggressive. That sounds familiar uh, that we have we have on this side. On unfortunately, side, yeah. unfortunately, yeah. yes, Grant. Um, yes, I love familiar. to say that we have the best goal line defense in America, but the only reason I get to say that is because I get to see our goal line defense tested so frequently. And we saw Auburn not score on that on that first drive. Remember, they ran it three times and threw on fourth down. We still have, epic. We still have that. I know. Look, we are hanging our hat defensively on that right there. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. We'll, I mean, we'll always have that one. It's not a goal line stand that Oklahoma yesterday, but still, it's a, <laughs> it's a goal. It's a goal line stand nonetheless. If we were to rank goal line stands, another tangent we could go on. But yeah, <laughs> but still, we can have that. Yeah, and that's my second. That's my second Oklahoma reference. Let's see wow. how many more I can squeeze in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's impressive. But yeah, so let's let's talk about Furman offensively. So they're a balanced offense. They average 170 yards on the ground and 196 through the air. Last year, I really loved watching. Um, I really loved watching their rushing attack, especially Roberto. He's so big. He's so big. Uh, I got to hold on. I got to look up how big this dude is. 5'11", 231. 231. The dude is thick. That is a uh, f- a tall fire hydrant right Dude, there. Dude, Dominic board. Roberto, he is a bowling ball. Um, yeah, bowling ball. Physical, physical back. And he just, I don't know, he, you love to watch a guy like that play football. Yeah. Um, but funny enough, this year, Tyler Huff, and maybe maybe this was the case last year, but Tyler Huff leads uh, the team in rush, the quarterback leads their team in rushing. And then uh, Jaquan Smith is kind of that third, um, third leading rusher, kind of the, I don't know. When Dominique gets tired, they throw in Jaquan, basically. And then 196 through the air. 
similar to Sanford, they have three primary weapons. Josh Harris, who's 6'2", you know, big weapon, big weapon. He leads the team. Kendall or Kindell Dean, eh, his smaller guy. Well, he's six foot. And then Ben Ferguson, uh, 5'11", white guy. Then they also have a freshman, Colton Hinton, who has made a few plays. You know, just someone to remember, I guess. We're not pegging him as a uh, Colombo-type guy for Western, but just a freshman that gets in the mix a little bit. I, he's not as good as, as Brendan Jenkins, our freshman wide receiver, but you know, just someone to watch out for in the game. Offensively, Grant, what I guess what sticks out to you about Furman? I think probably their rushing attack, as we've seen over the last well, and Sanford's losses, they've given up a lot of yards on the ground. So I think that's what I'm be more excited to watch with with their offenses how how well or how how not they can move the ball on the ground. That way, they get into better uh, situations passing down, or can they just walk down the field handing the ball off every now and then? Sure. Yeah, I mean, their their offensive line was the talk of the town uh, in the preseason. Them and, them and Western. Western has certainly lived up to the hype, and Furman, Furman has too. I think it's a little bit different. I think, um, I think Furman's defensive line is – or offensive line is how would you, how would you say it? Uh, less blue-collar than – Western, I like Western's, I like their edge a little bit more, but you ready for these sizes? Yeah, hit me. So, at tackle, they got Fred Norman Jr. Are you ready for this? 6'7", 342. Transferred from ETSU. Okay. Wyatt Hughes, much more normal. Uh, 6'3", 282, Macaulay Man. Macaulay, I got to love this kid, right? Wyatt Hughes, got to love him, but also hate him on Saturday. Jacob Johannan, also an interior, 6'3", 276. So on the inside, they're not behemoths. Um, Well, I mean, frankly, Grant, maybe maybe it's just their tackles that – maybe it's just that one tackle because now that I'm going through this, they're not as intimidating as Westerns. Uh, let me give you the next one. Luke Pettit, 6'3", 285. Uh, and then Pearson Toomey, 6'3", 295. Now, they're certainly experienced. I think Luke Pettit's the least experienced one. He's a redshirt sophomore. Everyone else is a senior or grad student, so that does not necessarily yeah. bode well for us. But For sure. I take that back, man. Western Western's line's way scarier, way scarier. Now, Fred Norman is massive. Okay, massive. But, wow, I feel a little bit better about that offensive, going against that offensive line than I did just three minutes ago. Because for whatever reason in my head, I thought I saw two things. One, I thought I saw in the preseason that someone had said every one of their linemen was over 300 pounds, which maybe they are by this point. I don't know. Yeah, maybe then. It had had injury maybe or two. but Sure. Um, and that they were the largest offensive line, which is clearly not true. Uh, Western, I think ev- I think everyone on Western except one dude was over 300. So Furman's offensive line is certainly a strength, right? They're highly touted. When you average 100, 170 yards on the ground, and that's kind of your identity as a running team, your offensive line has to be good. Uh, yeah. They're not running the triple option. They're not trying to mask deficiencies on the offensive line. 
So that is it's still a strength, but I am a little bit surprised that they're not as massive as I thought. And they're uh, only, or not only, but they've only only allowed nine sacks, which is sixth in the conference still. So, and that's a little misleading because they just don't throw it that much, right? Now yeah, our offensive line, true. regard, like I think I built, I made an excuse for them last week or two weeks ago, saying it kind of comes with the territory. We gave up three sacks versus Wofford. We don't. We have no business giving up three sacks versus Wofford. Um, yeah, third in the league with sixteen sacks allowed. Wofford's allowed eighteen. VMI seventeen. Sanford in third with sixteen. Yeah, like that has to improve. I don't care that we pass it 40, 50 times a game. That has to get better. But um, yeah, Furman's offense. If it, frankly, it matches up with our defense favorably for Furman. Um, we do not have the strongest rush defense. We don't have – we probably have a, a slightly – I would say at this stage, the rush defense is still better than the pass defense, but I'm not going to say it's a strength. Um, yeah, they're, uh, we're fifth in the conference, allowing 166 uh, yards per game rushing. So pretty much right on average uh, for Furman. Yeah. And Furman defense, going back to our Jay Stan conversation, is first in the league, with only allowing 110 on the ground per game. But what about their pass defense, Grant? That is a great question. Their pass defense do, looks sus. They do have s- seven interceptions, but they are third in, a, in the conference, allowing 269 passing yards. Yeah, so they certainly give up yeah. stuff through the air. So, I mean, you know, from our perspective defensively, if they're going to be running it, we will have to answer. We, we win this game in a shootout, essentially, is my point. Yes. Furman's going to try to run it. They're going to sprinkle in the pass. They're a balanced offense. It's a very good team. Top five in America for Pete's sakes. Our defense is a hang on by a thread. Hopefully they don't score and miss a field goal type of defense. But Furman has, how many sacks Grant does Furman have on the season? As you asked that, I just closed the tab. I had open. So they have six. They have six, six sacks on the season. So from a defensive line perspective, and I want to say that they're yeah, no one on the te- no one on the team has more than one and a half sacks. And the one guy that does is a linebacker. One and a half, right? Huh. Yeah. So from that perspective, I'm not really intimidated by Furman's defense to get enough pressure um, to really make an impact and swing the game dramatically allowing them to really capitalize on the running game and squeeze us out and win the game by two or three possessions. I don't think their their defense is capable of that with our passing offense. So Furman's offense are going to try to run it down our throats, uh, sprinkle in the pass. They're going to get a big play. They're going to hit a big pass. You know what's coming. Um, Harris is, what what did I say, 6'2". Like, he's going to make some yeah. plays. Uh, and we, we're just going to give up plays that weren't necessarily earned to begin with. We, we have to just accept that on, on its face. Yeah. But 269 allowed passing yards, that is way – and no one having more than one and a half sacks is more than enough, more than enough wiggle room for our offense to put up 35 points. Right. Um, that's what it's going to come down to is Furman's going to get theirs. Yeah. We need to get a little bit more. It's just a balance of how how many we get and how many 
unforced errors and mistakes forced Furman to have those good field position chances. No, for sure. And looking at their schedule, this will be the best off. Now, Mercer has playmakers on the on the wide receiver position, but their quarterbacks for sure. This is the best offense uh, that Furman will have played since Spencer Rowler in South Carolina, which doesn't really count. And so the fact that they, you know, we didn't account for the. Let, let me just go to the South Carolina game real quick to see how much that skews the the stats. So they in, in that game briefly they gave up. Well, Spence was on fire on that one. 463 yards of passing. So that's really skewing the stats a little bit higher. Because when you look yeah. at their FCS opponents, 10 points allowed versus Tennessee Tech, 14 in Citadel versus Mercer. Uh, Kennesaw State's in that weird uh, limbo mode. They gave up 28 uh, against Kennesaw. And we all know that KSU is not good this year. We didn't, know that at first. Too, yeah. we didn't know that at first. Yeah. That was an early game of the season. Maybe that, that was a better version, but... By this point, we know that Kennesaw State is just trash. So, all that to say, Furman's defense is bad enough to give us a chance in this one. Um, they're going to score 30 points, 35 points. And if Michael Harris can come out and we can have a balanced balanced approach on offense where we're running it, uh, but Michael's taking advantage with Ty King and Chandler Smith and Brandon Jenkins. Um, DJ Is DJ Rice going to be healthy for this game, Grant? That's a that's a great question. I'm not sure. I'm sure we can find out, but I'm not sure exactly. Because that's going to be the X factor. If DJ Rice is back for this game, it'll be interesting to see what the line comes out on Friday or Saturday. Could be right before yeah. kickoff. Uh, FCS yeah, lines right. are yeah. so shoddy. Um, but if Rice is back, that could swing it. Um, yeah, just another weapon to have. What did we say last week? Last week against yesterday against Wofford, was it 12, 11 different receivers? Nine so receivers, again, 12 nine. people caught a pass. Uh, that's, one tight end. That's right. 12. Running back in it. Uh, yeah, that's right. 12 different guys. So if you throw a rise in the equation, it's just a, another guy to account for, for sure. Right. And that's the thing. If it's not necessarily strength of Furman's, by the time you get to their DB2 or DB3, yeah. I mean, what are we looking at, right? I did see that their leading tackler is their free safety. That is a good sign for us. Uh, yeah. You don't really want your safety being your leading tackler. Now, last uh, last year, we did see Braden Gilby make a few awesome plays, not only against us, but in the SoCon in general. He's one of their uh, leaders on defense and a really incredible football player. He statistically is having a decent he, – he's second in, in tackles. He's having a decent season, not really as dominant as you probably thought Looking, if you were looking at last year's production, but still, he's someone who's going to make plays. But when Ryan Hugh, their free safety, is leading the team in tackles, I think that bodes very, very well for us. Um, because it just kind of goes back to show that their front seven are not not the dominant force that we all thought they might be. Now, their ends, Jeremiah Jackson and Jack Barton, are good. Um, but they have like one sack on the season. Like they, they ain't that good. Yeah, man. If Sanford goes to the ground early and they don't have success, do they shy away from that super quick and be like, oh, oh, dang, we need to throw the ball sixty times to win? So it's just again the balance of yeah. Jays had a great last couple of weeks, but how quick do they go to the run game? One, how 
click two, do they abandon it if it's not successful? Successful, or if it's three successful, cool. How much do you lean on that against this rush defense that's first in the conference in yards per game, at least? Sure. I will also say they're first in the conference in yards per game, but they haven't played a good quarterback in an FCS game. Correct. So, yeah, if if I'm imagining that. If Ryan Hughes leading the team in tackles and they're only giving up 100 yards on the ground, that they're probably bringing up a few more guys than than normal. And they're not going to be able to do that against Sanford. And what I really like about this game is kind of like our game against Western, where it's their first real test. It is not our first test at all. We are battle tested. Now, battle lost, right? Battle for better or for worse, yeah. we are... For better or for worse, we are battle-tested and our schedule leading up to this point. Yeah, I would say for worse, uh, considering we lost both of the big games. But in this instance, I think it helps us. I think we're going to be a little – I'm don't. i not going to say we're going to be more physical. Furman is very well-known for being the more physical team, uh, whoever they play. That's one more reason why I hate playing them, and they're annoying. They're annoying to watch and annoying to play because they bring kind of a similar energy as their basketball team, you know? Just that pesky fly who is going to hit you in the mouth. On basketball, they just jaw, and it's really frustrating. And they does uh, does uh, Mike Bothwell does he play corner? No, okay. I think <laughs> yeah. I think we're in solid shape. Gosh, yeah. he scored eighteen straight points in that regular season finale. I can't forget that every time I bring up Furman, just he's a left-handed shooter, like I am. Not that 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 means anything, but God, yeah, I hate he, Furman. He, he was dominant that game. Furman in the in this era of the SoCon is quickly becoming Sanford's biggest rival in terms of our ability to sustain success on the football field and basketball court. Chattanooga too. Yeah, biggest competitor. Yeah. But yeah. um Furman is certainly leading the conference in both of those sports at the moment. And yeah. It's time for it's time for us to get a big win, Grant. This team is capable. Amen. You know, we got shellacked by Western and UTC and we were down on the pod and we were like, you know, we're not, maybe we're really not that good. Questioning everything. Questioning everything. And we get a little bit of momentum back. We play two bad teams in ETSU and Wofford and we feel better. You know, we see what this team could be. At the same time, there's kind of a gun shy mentality of, okay, here's another test. We failed brutally the first two tests. What happens? Yeah, we now? call yeah, yeah, we call Chattanooga the prove it test. But now that didn't pass that one. But again, this is one like I mentioned before that preview that you absolutely have to have when it comes to anything you want to do uh, postseason. One hundred percent. Like this is a make or break game. If we lose this game, season is over. Yeah, you're done. And an unfortunate reality of having a team of transfers is that there isn't even that silver lining of, okay, let's just develop our young talent. Because there are young guys that we could play, um, but a lot of them are freshmen and aren't, their bodies aren't even, aren't even in the right spot yet uh, for reps to even matter. Yeah. So if we lose this, (sighs) Season's over. We can play spoiler maybe against UT Martin, who squeaked by uh, this past week against mm, Eastern Illinois. I think um, that sounds that sounds right. They won one one by field goal, top twenty five team. So that 
any win they keep having is just good news when we get to, to that. Regular season and that's finale. why I brought him up because okay, let's say we beat Furman. You keep you keep the season in perspective. We have to beat Furman. Yeah. Um, but from a, a, a resume perspective, yeah, yeah, a top five win against Furman would be amazing. And if UT Martin keeps climbing and keeps winning, there's a good chance we'd have two top ten wins, and we lost to two top twenty five teams. You're in the playoffs. Yeah. Pretty good seed. Uh, we're not going to get a home playoff game, but yeah, there's not. Yeah, there's not a bad loss if you go exactly once you get to the resume point that's holding you back. You're going to have good wins. Yeah. It's just a matter of, and even Mercer, they can sneak their way back in the top twenty-five with a couple more performances. So, so that's a that's another game that you could have. And sure. frankly, Grant, I think there's a lot of pressure on Furman because you brought it up. You know, the fact that they have to go to UTC and Western. If they drop this one. I know they're top five now, but boy, you can't lose three. No, you, you got to win at least three. Yeah, they need to win at least two of those three road games with at the exactly. Stanford Western. And, and if Chad. they drop this one, whoo, the pressure yeah. is on. Because if they lose, they're losing to Western. We, we'll pick it next week. But they okay, Western yeah. is seems like the desti- the the Sanford of last year, where it doesn't matter who they're playing, um, they're going to pull out a victory. Yeah, they're going to find a way to get it done. Yeah, and we'll get to the SoCon in a minute. But, um, yeah, there's going to be a pressure on Furman to win this game. And it's on the road, right? The road, like, even the, even though there's not going to be 100,000 screaming Sanford fans, traveling yeah. sucks. Not being at home sucks. Uh, yeah. It's harder. You're out of uh, your routine. And the fact that it's Furman's first real test on the FCS level and it's coming on the road, I think that, I think that all bodes well. Um, For sure. Yep. So, I just yeah. got to get I just got to get this one on Sanford's side. No doubt about it. Dude, if we can win this game, it totally changes the narrative for the season. All of a sudden, like we have some confidence, but I doubt the team is is really like, "Oh yeah, we're good." Because you can't look at the season and say, "Oh yeah, we're good." But if we beat top top 5 Furman, I think you can say we got our swag back. And Michael oh, Hires, we, we got our swagger back. Oh. Yeah, I mean you can, yeah, yeah. you know. And yeah, Michael Hires sure. leading the nation in passing means absolutely nothing at the moment. But you beat Furman, you beat Furman, and you're leading the nation in passing. All of a sudden, what what we thought was lost in UTC, um, the Walter Payton kind of sneaks back into the picture, just a little, like a glimmer, like like a little peek. Yeah, it's um, there. Yeah, if, if you get this one, you got to get. Two more get right games with VMI and Citadel before you got to go to Macon. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And then a big, just another, yeah, just another factor in saying you obviously really, really need this one to move on. Hundred yeah. percent. And then that yeah. big UT Martin game in November in in Birmingham going to be, uh that game will be amazing if we can win this game. If that comes down to a win and you're in, that yeah, game will be epic. Yeah. yeah, but we got to win on Saturday. We got to win on Saturday. All right. So, uh, looking back at the picks, we're changing up how we're doing the picks. Uh, it got kind of silly. For basketball, it works well because there's a lot of parity and a lot more games. Uh, there's two games for each team each week, so it just works out a little bit better. Football got a little bit silly. Um, oh, so now the new guy comes in, does so well. We new guy comes it all. in, yeah. of course, okay, yeah. Grant. Okay, I mean, yeah. shoot, dude, yeah, you course, got the, yeah. the all-game field pass against Auburn, and we're like, wait a minute, how did that work out? And now we're looking at this pick'em standing, and you're fourteen and three after just four weeks. It's like, okay, slow down. Let's change the rules. We got to get the guy back down to the bottom, humble him a little. Unbelievable, bit. yeah. 
No, I'm kidding. Yeah, judge me by my losers because I have so few. That's <laughs> that's been my that's been my that's been my motto. And now we're changing it. The whole thing. We are changing it. We are changing it for competitive sake. Basically, what we're gonna do expanding the playoff, expanding the FBS playoff over here. We're expanding the playoff and the yeah. criteria. Um, yeah. Or criterion, uh, whatever. So. Same thing. Sat Friday or Saturday when the lines come out, we'll pick against the spread. Um, and from here on out, each correct pick will be worth two to kind of counterbalance the first half of the season. Now, it's not going to change dramatically, right? Like, Furman, Citadel, you probably still would have picked – everyone probably still would have picked Furman to cover, even though they didn't, right? right? So it might not change anything, and it might change everything. I, we don't know, but we got to change it up because right now it's just silly. Uh, this past week, Mike went undefeated because he was the only one that didn't pick UTC against Western, which was an incredible game. Uh, oh, UTC gosh, so, went, for, so close. went for the win. They went for two at the end, and they got it. I mean, the guy yes, yes, Ari- Yes, Arizona, you go for two for the win. Yes, That's what you do. You goodness. go for two. You go for – you play to win the game. As the Thanks, great, yeah. as the great yeah. Herm Edwards said, "You play to win." Dang, I was about to do another impression. I'm, I stopped myself. Spare, yeah. spare the audience, Grant. Spare the audience. Okay, good. good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, UTC goes for two points in a back and forth, uh, ugly defensive game. Amazing offensive game. Explosive plays everywhere. Uh, UTC goes for two to win it, or go ahead at least with a, with a, under a minute, and they get it. And then they give up a 40, 50-yard drive. Western kicks a game-winning field goal as time expires in Chattanooga uh, to stay undefeated in the SOCON. And the FCS. to 50. Good Lord. Yeah. yeah, crazy, crazy. So Western certainly feels like the Sanford of last year where everything is bouncing their way. Their offense is incredible. Um, their defense is, is not, but it's college football, right? You don't. Looking at you, USC, you don't need a stellar defense to win. Um, hey, their defense helped them win the game. I just wanted to point that out. That yeah, they only allowed the 41 points instead of 44. Is that the logic there? Um, pretty sound. The anyway, defense was the reason. That's all that matters. Yeah, yeah it was so yeah. silly. Anyway, uh, so Western Western's looking very, very, very good. UTC, still good, but... You know, coming up this week, they go to Mercer. And we, you know, Mercer's offense is is down in the dumps. But a road game after a tough loss is never easy. I'm not expecting anything different than a Mox victory there, but an interesting one to keep uh keep our eyes on. Other than that, Furman and Sanford is the only intriguing matchup um as far as football quality. Now, in terms of rivalry, we have the great VMI Citadel game this weekend. Gonna be yes. awesome. I'm pulling for a big Rocco blowout, but you never know in this game, man. Citadel, they looked pretty feisty against Furman. VMI coming in uh, to Charleston. That's going to be, it's going to be a good game. Well, a game that's not, it's not going to be good. Not worth watching is Wofford and DTSU. Going to be one of the uglier, uglier games we see this year. And, um, Hard to say who's going to win that. Maybe ETSU edge on quarterback, but yeah, quarterback and uh, home team. So yeah, exactly. Um, but you don't. You, who knows? So we're not going to make any picks now. What we'll do is next episode we will we will uh, disclose who we picked and how we did against the spread, 
And hopefully we don't all just have the same score like we did this week where we're 3-1 and one and then Mike's 4-0. Hopefully it goes a little bit better. But we'll see. Um, but Grant, as far as our Bulldogs and the other sports, we always start with soccer, but let's start with volleyball. We beat ETSU okay. and Western. Now, we knew we were going to – well, we didn't know, but we had a strong suspicion that we would beat at least one of these teams. There's, you know mm-hmm. – Two of the weaker teams in the conference, but beating both of them, it's a big jolt. And we beat both both teams 3-0. Um, yeah, sweeps. Yeah, sweeps too. So that's huge. Huge momentum. Season's coming to a close. SoCon tournament's on the horizon uh, in about a month. So to get a little jolt of jolt of energy, jolt of momentum, heading into really the meat of the conference schedule, I, I love it. I love it because our, our volleyball team has showed flashes, but for the most part, is has not been the most competitive in terms of our conference. Um, but getting two wins on a weekend, that's literally as good as it gets. So yeah, one one more on Thursday versus Mercer, and it's officially a winning streak. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah, we got Mercer and Chattanooga um, this week, both both at home, which is great. Yeah. Uh, so that's four. Oh wow, four. Yeah, four straight matches at home. Because Western and ETSU were both at home. So um, hopefully we'll continue the, our, our winning ways. Let me check on on the season. They're 8-9. and nine, But they have uh, some some decent some decent wins outside of the SoCon. They beat Furman uh, in ETSU, Western Carolina, and UNCG. They've lost to Wofford and Citadel. So a little in- – Yes, it – Go ahead. Yeah, Citadel's been awesome all year. Yeah, so that's yeah, they're well awesome as in they're undefeated, eighteen and mm-hmm. zero. Awesome is what, yeah, yeah, yeah which is that's, crazy. That's insane that they have a sport yeah. that they're actually good at this year. Um, so yeah, and they only lost two to three, so uh, pretty tight there. Now UTC, on the other hand, much stronger season. They're fifteen and six on the season. Uh, they 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 look good. They they lost their opening SoCon bouts to Citadel and Wofford, but it but then went on a one, two, three with a non-conference in their four game, four match win streak with Alabama AM sprinkled in, but are coming off a loss to Western. So I, you know, I it would be considered an upset technically if we beat UTC just based on record. Um but it's totally possible. The SoCon seems pretty competitive this year. Uh, I guess maybe Citadel was it Citadel? Um, yeah, Cit- Citadel six and zero in conference. Wofford, Mercer five right? and or Wofford five and one, followed by Mercer at four and two. I was about to say yeah. Well, I remember Wofford when we looked at them uh, when we played it last two weeks ago. That they yeah, Wofford's good. fourteen and three overall. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, so interesting, Wofford and Citadel. So if we can beat Mercer and Chat, I think that puts us squarely in the hunt for top third of the conference. Which, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's still plenty of volleyball left to go before the conference tournament starting November 17th. Um, oh yeah, we get yeah we got a month left before we even get there. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's all. Finally, some good news on the volleyball front. After losing three straight, we are on a two-game win streak. Soccer Grant continues to roll to a degree. We had to, we had to skirt by it. We, we tied Furman, um, had to get a late equalizer, as they yep. say. 
Yeah, they do. Um, yeah. But we only gave up one goal. So uh, one of the best defenses, defensive units in the country. Nothing to really be concerned there. We've had a struggle finishing all season. There have been plenty of games where we dominate and we just cannot seem to put it in the back of the net. We were able to avoid a loss. So I believe we only have one true loss in conference so far. Yeah, lost uh, the opener to Western 1-0. Yeah. And then have only given up one goal since that uh, since that match that was against Furman where they gave up. Yeah, so we've given they up drew two, that one, but two goals in conference so far, which is yeah, clean sheets and all the other games for sure. Wild. Uh, yeah. And then we got back, and that was on the road too. And we got back to our winning ways. We beat we beat Citadel three zero on Sunday. So soccer is rolling. Yeah, they're rolling. I mean, rolling. We got Mercer, ETSU, and Chat. We only got three games left for the SoCon tournament at the end of October. Um, yeah, Sanford right now is tied for second with ETSU at four one and one Western. Western sports this year lead the leads the way at five and one in conference. Wow. Wow. So that'll be, that'll be a fun um, rematch if we see them at the end of the SOCON tournament, which is sounds like what it'll probably be like. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that when we get there. There's still three matches left. Who, who's to say, I'm assuming we're not going to lose a single one, but it's college sports. That's why we love yeah, it. I'd, yeah. I'd assume the same. Yeah. They're, these women are on fire. So that's awesome. Um, well, Grant, that that is the episode. Furman game this week. Any closing thoughts uh, about the big must-win Furman game? Hopefully to see everybody at the game, and we can count how many times Furman chants FU, FU all the time, which is... They're so cute. Just, just wrong on so many levels. But, but again, going back to on the field, let's see... If Jay Stanton, if he has another great game to see if Sanford could sticks with the run and moves the ball on the ground, or if they forget that shortly when it's not when it's not successful and try to move uh-huh. the ball down the field in the air. So just that balance of on the offensive side, seeing how much they run versus how much they throw, and if they can limit those mistakes that have hampered them and and the other two losses against Western and uh, Chattanooga. Hundred percent. If we play a clean game. Because discipline, whether that's turnovers or penalties, have held us back. If we play a clean or a cleaner game, right? Cleaner yeah. game, and we play, we have a balanced attack, I think we'll win. I think we can, our defense can give up 30, 40 points. And if we play clean and balanced, I think we score one or two uh, more points than they, than they do. But we'll yeah, see. I got it. Got to have this one for sure. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's a lot of ways this game could go, and most of them are not in our favor. So be sure to tune in. Uh, what, t- what time is the Furman game? Uh, 12 o'clock Central. So instead of 2, it's at noon uh, this weekend. Hopefully. The weather should be great. Weather probably won't be a factor. Uh, if it rains, it's probably in Furman's favor. So let's hope for for clear clear weather and a big crowd. It's it's homecoming. Yeah, high of seventy two on Saturday, so it should it should be awesome. Yeah, no, that's amazing. It's homecoming, so we should have a, a pretty amped up crowd. And let's not do what we did last time. We had ten thousand people at the game and draw and lay an absolute egg. Let's at least keep it competitive, boys. Yeah, I would like my second uh, winning recap. I failed to mention this was my first recap pod that winning recap pod that I've done. So. So knock on wood, it's not my fault that, that we've been losing. C- Congratulations, Grant. Yeah. 
I just had to push myself in one more time. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So with that, everybody, be at the game. Be loud. Let's go, dogs. And beat the Dens, the dumbest nickname in sports. Hey, you already know. You know, Sanford, about to get that ring, man. Hey, love y'all. We love y'all.